I have a real problem with the nutrition information that is being shared that seems to just be completely funded by big industry and big agriculture and not based on actual human nutritional biochemistry. There is a body of literature that exists on that and it is not low protein when you're trying to grow. It is not access, it's not a focus on uh, less bioavailable forms of protein. It's not based on, oh yeah, you need to, you know, have all the Gatorade in the world if you want to perform. Like, like it is not, I don't know what this is based on, but it is not based on nutritional biochemistry. And I get really tired of seeing um, curriculums that are based on that, that, that where, where they're being funded by big industry as opposed to actual science. Good day, hello, greetings, wherever you are in this beautiful, wonderful world. Thank you for joining True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. Now, True Hope Canada, we are a mind and body based supplement company that is dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non-invasive nutritional means. For more information about True Hope, you can visit truehopecanada.com. If you're new to the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you're listening on iTunes, why not leave us a review? Today, I welcome Nicole Laurent to the show. Now, Nicole is a seasoned psychotherapist with a deep understanding of mental health and neurological disorders. Nicole uses counseling to help people make lifestyle and nutrition changes to treat their conditions. Today, we will be discussing those changes as well as a deeper dive into understanding common neurological disorders. Enjoy the show. All right. Good morning, Nicole. Welcome to True Hope Cast. How are you today? What is going well? Everything is going well. Today's a great day. Wonderful. Everything. That's good. That's a great start to the day. I love it. As an introduction, can you just let us know who you are and what it is that you do? I am a licensed mental health counselor in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, I have been in private practice for about 15 years. Um, In the last five of those years, I've been helping people transition to ketogenic diets and other nutritional therapies in order to treat mental illness and neurological disorders. Um, And I also do an online program designed to improve brain health called the Brain Fog Recovery Program. Cool. Is it common for somebody in your position to work with nutrition and diet? Not so common. Yeah. So I kind of got here. I had my own... Uh, I had my own neurological issue that happened. And um, by the end of it, I was in pretty bad shape. And I had a lot of uh, what I call brain damage just from the whole experience. Um, And so I came across a ketogenic diet by accident listening to podcasts. um, And I tried it and it absolutely just completely healed my brain and, uh, and improved my mood. And I wasn't even aware that my mood was an issue. Um, but I had my own personal health experience. And then I got to the place where, you know, I'm sitting across from people with mental illness and clear neurological issues. And I'm not supposed to talk about the ketogenic diet. I'm supposed to stay in my lane. And I decided that that was an unethical stance that I couldn't continue. And so I went back and I got a postgraduate certificate uh, in nutrition and integrative health and have been constantly educating myself since then so that I can uh, give this kind of advice with authority. Interesting. I have a few questions that pop up when you tell me about that. Mm-hmm. So you before this brain injury that you suffered and then you had to do something in regards to 
you know, you wanted to heal. So it sounds like you started to investigate, you heard podcasts, you heard about ketogenic diet, you learned about that, and then you implemented it. And you had this, you know, wonderful recovery and transformation. Mm -hmm. Before that all happened, like, what was what was your diet like? Like, because I, I, I just feel like this thing that happened to you was like, it kind of seems like it was a beneficial thing. Yeah. So I, I was doing, I had been seeing a functional, uh, a functional practitioner for throughout my entire, my entire issues. Um, and I was eating a whole foods organic diet already taking all the herbs and stuff that they want you to take. Um, I was already eating what anyone would consider a nutrient dense, healthy diet, no processed foods, none of that. And my brain was still super broken and continued to get more broken as time progressed. Okay. And before we step into further, I've got, I've got some, I've got a really good question about your, about your kind of own personal journey for people who don't know, or aren't too specific on what an, actually a ketogenic diet is. I'm sure everybody's heard about it, but like, can you just like break it down for us? What is a ketogenic diet? So a, a ketogenic diet is basically a diet in which you switch your fuel from primarily carbohydrates to primarily fat based. And there are different types of ketogenic diets for different purposes. A ketogenic diet for weight loss might be very different than a ketogenic diet for neurological issues. Um, and so it's basically the production of ketones. So your body will take fat, either fat you eat or your body fat, it will burn it off your tush and make fuel. And it will, um, it, it will provide a fuel for the body and the brain. Um, and it's also fantastic because ketones are a little bit more than fuel. Well, they're actually a lot more than fuel. They're actually molecular signaling bodies and they have many, many, effects in the body that are very very beneficial and that help people heal and are those benefits things that carbohydrates can't can't do they are some of those benefits are the opposite of what a high carbohydrate diet will do so for example a ketones uh there's different types of ketones and one of them is called beta hydroxybutyrate bhb for short and bhb as a signaling molecule will literally uh, turn chronic inflammatory genes off. You want acute inflammatory genes, right? So if I go for my run later today and I have some muscle fibers that need to be fixed afterwards, I want an acute inflammatory response, but I don't want a chronic nonstop inflammatory response. And those are the genes that, that, a BH, that BHB will shut down and calm down. Um, it upregulates something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is super helpful for people trying to repair their brain or heal their brain or make new connections in their brain. Um, it also does some very cool things with mitochondria. So mitochondria are the batteries of our cells and ketones, uh, ketones are fantastic fuel for, for mitochondria, but they also upregulate the production of mitochondria. So BHB as a signaling molecule will help your cells make more mitochondria and will make the mitochondria that you do make more efficient and create less reactive oxygen species, which then reduces oxidative stress, which we know is a component in all kinds of problems, neurological or otherwise. Beautiful. And 
just in regards to your the the brain injury that you suffered and you described it as you had you know brain inflammation mm-hmm. um how was how would a ketogenic diet how would a dietary change like you know i've gone from let's just say i've got a healthy diet but it's like you know there's it's primarily carbohydrates in there um whole grains but i switched to this different diet form because i've got this you know this inflammatory condition going on and my body is spending a lot of resources in trying to deal with that if i just continued on my normal diet or i switched to something like this which is like you know very you know more of a therapeutic action mm-hmm. how how does that diet change and how does that new fuel source and my body is then having to completely change its metabolic process how does that end up helping my brain inflammation yeah it does so ketogenic diets help neural uh in at least four ways, if not a few more. So the four ways that I kind of um, focus on and and the way I kind of look at it is that ketogenic diets improve something called brain hypometabolism. They of stress, neurotransmitter balancing properties. I just lost you there for a second, Nicole. I just lost you for a bit there. Do you reckon you can start from those four four processes again, like kick, kick sure. off from there for me? Thank you. Sure. So ketogenic diets, uh, they they help the fuel in the brain. So brain hypometabolism. Anytime you have issues with kind of early dementia, mild cognitive impairment, you have a brain injury, you have a TBI, whether it's from, you know, quite frankly, medications or from a hit in the head, right? There's different things that happen for people. Um, but if your brain is not happy, it is very likely that you have areas of brain hypometabolism. So hypo means low, metabolism means production of energy. And so ketones go straight into those brain tissues and bypass broken machinery that has happened as a result of brain injury for whatever reason, whether it's acute or chronic um, long-term injury. So that first one is brain hypometabolism. The second one is neuroinflammation. And ketogenic diets are systemic reducers of inflammation. And they are fantastic for neuroinflammation. But it's really important that the people listening or watching know that if you have inflammation in your body, let's say I have arthritis in my knee, right? Or I have a skin condition going on. That causes inflammation in my body. And inflammation in your body does absolutely cause neuroinflammation and affect inflammation in your brain because the immune system in your brain responds to what is going on in your body. It makes, uh, it makes your immune system in your brain kind of on hyper alert and more likely to go off unnecessarily with those inflammatory cytokines, right? So they are fantastic for neuroinflammation. They calm it down so that the body can start to actually repair tissues and, and make new connections. Um, they reduce oxidative stress. As a result of that inflammation going down, they reduce oxidative stress. But another way that they do that, one of the signaling properties of ketones is that it upregulates your endogenous antioxidant system uh, known as glutathione. And so people who are on ketogenic diets produce more glutathione. And with that improved glutathione production, they are able to heal their brains better. Um, so that's the other fantastic one that I didn't even mention earlier, because there's a lot of there's a really interesting intervention for people. And then, of course, the last one is neurotransmitter balancing. So 
when people are on ketogenic diets, they tend to downregulate the production of glutamate, which is an excitatory neurotransmitter um, and is seen as a culprit, that overexcitability of that particular neurotransmitter is seen as a culprit in just about every type of neurodegenerative process or anxiety disorder or any kind of mental illness. You could look up any of them and look up glutamate and see that there was a, there was a component to that. And it upregulates the production of something called GABA. And GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter, but the way GABA feels in your brain when it's in the right levels is this very chill, I got this, life is not overwhelming, I can unload the dishwasher, I can handle the stress. It's a little, it's, it's, I think of it kind of like a little bit of a resiliency kind of neurotransmitter, mm -hmm. right? I just, I got this. And so that upregulates that, which you can imagine is huge for all kinds of mental illness and neuro neurological issues, but it also has balancing effects in uh, the serotonin system, the dopaminergic system, um, and it's in the epinephrine, norepinephrine system. Um, those all get balanced on a ketogenic diet. So those are the four main ways. There's also ways in which it will balance your gut microbiome um, in, a, in a very positive way is what the research is showing. And it also helps uh, heal leaky gut and a leaky gut brain barrier. Interesting. That was going to be my next question. Let's just cross that out. The microbiome, I just wonder, because obviously if somebody's consuming a diet that's, you know, maybe quite conventional they've had their whole life that they've potentially inherited from their, their parents i suppose mm -hmm. that they're going to have a you know a very established gut microbiome but we know that it can change quite rapidly with you know positive or even negative input mm -hmm. and yeah with, without question the science re and the research showing the the many benefits of switching to a ketogenic diet and what that will do to your microbiome is you know, very very positive that's really cool um are there some wrong ways to start a ketogenic diet? Are there, there, there's got, because so many people talk about it, there must be hundreds of podcasts on it, hundreds of bloggers talking about it. There must be some um, errors that, I want to say errors that come come along with it and maybe some myths about it. Like, are there some common things that people, that, that, that common challenges that come up when people look to go to a ketogenic diet that's not, that might not necessarily fall into the, let's say the, the science-based, evidence-based route to doing it properly? Yeah. So there's, you know, my focus with people is always on doing it for neurological issues. And so I have a very particular way that I like to, like to have people do it. Mm -hmm. um, someone could do a different type of ketogenic diet and, and possibly get the same benefit. But the way I like to do them with patients and clients uh, in my in my brain fog recovery program is I like to um, make sure that we do total carbs and not net carbs. So while uh, while the standard is is you know do net carbs, that fiber doesn't cause any problems. In my experience, I see some people have gut microbiomes. I think that's what's causing it, where they are able to make some kind of carbohydrate out of that fiber, um, and it does affect their energy levels. And when I am transitioning someone to a ketogenic diet for neurological issues, I want their brain fuel to be stable. I want those ketones high. I don't want them doing this because I don't want their I don't want their adaptation like that. We do 30 total grams of carbs. Um, and when I do ketogenic diets for people 
uh, or I help people do ketogenic diets, we always talk about inflammatory oils and staying away from inflammatory oils. Um, and those are industrialized seed oils. Uh, some people think they're fine. I think we, un we know what a lot of the underlying mechanisms are. See, that's kind of the thing is that a lot of people think, oh, unless there's an RCT showing that this is a problem, it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. But we actually do know a lot of the underlying mechanisms for different things and they're, and they're troublesome and we know the biochemistry of them. And I'm not going to wait around and kind of play Russian roulette with someone's brain while we figure out whether seed oils are bad or not for humans. We know what they do in the Petri dish. We know what they do in animal studies. That's good enough for me. So if we're going to heal your brain, we're going to keep you off the inflammatory oil. So that's another way. Uh, I don't let people, I don't suggest people do any kind of dirty keto stuff. Uh, we stay off the grains. There's no wheat. Some of my people will stay off dairy for a little while. Um, just meat, vegetables, and a fat. Awesome. What are some of the more um, common neurolog neurological disorders that you work with? So I see a lot of people that I think would meet criteria for mild cognitive impairment, um, which is for, not for all, but for many is kind of the beginning stages of what will later progress into an Alzheimer's disorder. I see a lot of people with autoimmune issues like Hashimoto's, uh, Lyme disease. Um, I see a lot, and I see their conditions improve. As your brain health improves, I promise you, your body improves because your brain health will not improve unless your immune system balances out, which ketogenic diets seem to do really well for people. Um, it's, it's a great immune system calming type of type of thing. And then, of course, their their diets are a little different because we're going to avoid a few more foods if they've got autoimmune issues going on. Um, I see. What else do I see? I see a lot of people with chronic migraine. I see a lot of women who are in perimenopause or postmenopause that have tried hormone replacement therapy and figured out that that is not a root cause intervention for neurological issues as you age. Um, there, let's see, who else have I seen? I, I see a lot of, a lot of uh, professional, probably late 30s, early 40s women, maybe a little older also, where they just they know that their performance is going down. They're starting to have fatigue. They are starting to find it harder to keep up with work and they really just want to perform better. Very cool. Has your, has that work changed? Have you seen with it, with COVID the last two and a half years, have you seen like an influx of, of, of a different type of neurological disorder coming in? Obviously I've spoken to so many practitioners on the show and there's usually like an influx of a, a particular type of, disorder or patient who's coming in because of the associated anxiety and stress and and you know all those things that have come with you know what's happened over the last couple of years have you have you experienced any any type of influx or interesting patterns you mean as a as a therapist who does nutrition in my private practice or in my brain fog recovery program what do you mean I, yeah i suppose all of that but I, i'm more interested i suppose with the with people looking towards a ketogenic diet or a, a changing their changing the way their body produces energy because of like the, there's they've just got more anxiety in their life or more stress or more chronic inflammation and yeah. it's kind of resulted of like you know last couple of years has been hard for everyone yeah well i think that um i mean i do get 
I do definitely have people who identify themselves as having long COVID um, as though they've had it and they just can't quite get back to where they were um, for sure. And, and I also have a lot of people who certainly have anxiety and depression um, and they understand that their brain health is going to directly improve that. Uh, and they understand that piece. I get a lot of people who are, have found, who've tried more conventional methods and have found that they're not helping them. And, and they, they do want to explore other ways of feeling better. They're just simply not willing to continue to not feel well. Totally. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I just wonder when you, with any type of patient or client, whatever you call them, uh, comes, comes in to see you, do you do your best to help, help them understand like why they might've got into the position that they're in, why you're making particular changes and how that's going to, you know, affect their, affect, affect their body, affect their condition from like a psychological and like a physical, physical way, because a lot of, a lot of terminology, especially when it comes to, you know, how your body produces energy, how somebody might have done it for such a long time and how they're going to try something different that's very new to them. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you go about like approaching that type of new information? Because it can be, you know, that type of big change can can be quite tricky for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, we do talk about stress and how stress depletes micronutrients and how stress can make it difficult. If you're constantly feeling overwhelmed or depressed or sad or anxious, mm-hmm. that it's really hard to cook for yourself. It's, it makes it much harder to take good care of yourself for sure. And we also talk about how their current behaviors and their current food, food choices likely are depleting important micronutrients that they need in order to make their neurotransmitters and to balance their immune system. So I will literally, you know, pull up a schematic of how serotonin and melatonin is made in the body and show them the cofactors, the vitamins and minerals that they are quite likely, you know, I would bet money on are deficient in or not getting enough in a dopamine. You like dopamine? Okay, let's talk about how dopamine is made. What do you need for dopamine? Oh, tryptophan, you're not eating enough protein, you're eating, you know, non bioavailable protein. So we really kind of take it from that it's an owner's manual to their brain. Like you want to feel better, let's pull out the owner's manual and let's educate you on what that brain needs to 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 optimize and to feel better. And how do we set your life up in such a way that you have a better chance of actually doing that? Like I do get very severely depressed patients. And they're like, I cannot cook for myself. I cannot do a ketogenic diet. And I'm like, ah, but wait, there are meal services that will, for the first month, as we're getting your brain energy switched over, as we are balancing your neurotransmitters, as we are reducing inflammation, there are meals that can be delivered to your door that are probably less expensive, most likely less expensive and better quality then you are spending on takeout right now, not able to take care of yourself. Let's do that for the first month. Super smart. I love that. What do you think some of the biggest like habitual challenges there are for a lot of people when they're having to, you know, it's not just about eating different food. It's about like knowing, learning about different foods, shopping in different areas of the supermarket, you know, like it's, it's mm-hmm. complex, like try, trying to change somebody's uh, diet is, 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 getting into many different habits within within their lifestyle they have to start thinking differently right so yeah. what are some of the the, the most um, psychological challenges that come up in those like beginning stages 
the the conceptualization of what to put on the plate, <laughs> nice. right? What yeah. does it look like? Uh, so we have them do some download some meal plans, get an idea of what breakfast, lunch, and dinner on a ketogenic diet might look like. And I really like to transition people a little bit slower over four weeks to a ketogenic diet. So the first week I have them track their carbs like normal, like what, what, like, don't cheat, don't, don't make it look good. Like really give me the real deal. What, what, what carb level is your body used to and expecting from you? And then what we do is we will have them reduce their carbohydrate intake a little bit each week until we get to a, a good 30 gram, sometimes a 20 total gram carbohydrate. So, but during that time, that they are slowly going down. We're learning how to swap some foods out for others. We're learning how to grab a few new recipes a week. We're starting to think about what are like the five go-to dinner recipes that I'm probably, that I can make pretty easy, even if I'm tired and be successful at. How do I get in the habit of, of defrosting the meat the night before so I'm not in a pickle when I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything for dinner. So there's just, you're right. There's all these behavioral things, but I think it's a little bit different for everybody. And I don't think there's like this one particular hard part for everyone. It's mm -hmm. always different based on the people. Yeah. There's always going to be that challenge. Just, it's just not quite clear, clear where it's going to be. Mm -hmm. You were talking before about like the, you know, the educational piece, like, you know, really helping people kind of understand like these pathways, what are necessary, what necessary ingredients, necessary resources to be able to put these neurotransmitters, hormones, et cetera, together. Do you think there's been like a mass disservice in regards to like kids in school, um, public health, t teaching adults in regards to like what nutrition is, what the truth about different diets, you know, like how and how it affects the body? Because I, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a holistic nutritionist and I practiced for many years before before I kind of um, switched, switched to alternative work. And the amount of people who are coming in who um, – the lack of understanding. I mean, not even I had it before I went to nutrition school and did a degree. Mm -hmm. I learned so much and, you know, I didn't know about it before. So it's like, you know, this isn't, you know, I did my original education in the UK and in Sweden and it blew my mind in regards to looking back now, that the lack of actual information or fact that I got in like biology and in even like physical education and we did some mm -hmm. food classes. It was never really a nutrition class, but it blew my mind in regards to not was I not was I I was not only just getting um, a lack of information, but I was actually getting bad information and wrong information and unscientific information. Have you do you have you experienced that? Like, have you been surprised by the amount of um, uh, the, the lack of knowledge a lot of people have on, on some things? And do you think we've had like this big, quite big disservice in regards to teaching our kids about what our biology is and how it works and what we need to do to fuel it correctly to avoid chronic illness and disease. Yeah. I have a real problem with the nutrition information that is being shared that seems to just be completely funded by big industry and big agriculture and not based on actual human nutritional biochemistry. There is a body of literature that exists on that and it is not low protein when you're trying to grow it is not access it's not a focus on 
uh, less bioavailable forms of protein. It's not based on, oh yeah, you need to, you know, have all the Gatorade in the world if you want to perform. Like, like it is not, I don't know what this is based on, but it is not based on nutritional biochemistry. And I get really tired of seeing um, curriculums that are based on that, that, that where, where they're being funded by big industry as opposed to actual science. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, I mean, all the food plates and all the pyramids, you can actually look back throughout history from probably the 40s and 50s and 60s and to see the key lobbyists in in Washington, in the government or wherever, it, I mean, it's all around the world, um, who is really influencing how people are told on a mass scale. I mean, we all know that we're all very quite individual in regards to how our biochemistry works, but um, it's quite remarkably poor. Yeah. how uh how kind of insidious it is because it's like yeah it's it's not it's not based on it's not based on you know trying to take care and trying to get people healthy if it was you know they've been trying they've been doing this they've been doing this and re recommending these things on a mass scale for like 70 80 years and you'd think we'd be getting healthier and our education around nutrition would be just getting stronger and stronger and stronger as the evidence comes out but that's just clearly not the case and we're still in we're in 2022 and it's not it's not getting any better so yeah i i, I share your um frustration and anger in regards to that because a lot of a lot most people are being brought up with wrong information or lack of information and it and it significantly affects you especially when you start getting into you know, 18 19 you might go to university and you you have mm -hmm. more and more independence in regards to like what to eat and you know you would just like think of the the horrific university student diet that would just be super super poor and that's you know that's not because they don't have the um like money to buy good food it's they, right. don't, they don't have the education they don't have the people supporting them in regards to what they probably should be eating especially when they're going into four years of significant you know neurological function when they're like just like constantly trying to learn stuff not just like within their classes but within their like social structures and cultures and all sorts of so much is going on so much development and they end up probably um the four-year period where they're taking in like the worst nutrition of their of their lives and it's setting that yeah. setting that standard for probably the rest of their lives that their mood disorder diets i mood call them mood disorder diets they have inadequate amounts of protein they are full of seed oils um there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of anti, anti, uh, you know, anti meat, anti protein, anti bioavailable protein options. A lot of the stuff is inflammatory. A lot of it is grain based. Um, and it, it is, it is a mood disorder diet. We send them off to college. And if we buy the meal plan, um, you know, for the kiddos there, that is a mood disorder diet. It depletes mm -hmm. thiamine. It depletes magnesium. Um, you need magnesium to make some of your neurotransmitters. I mean, it's just an absolute, it's a dumpster fire is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And a lot of them have to turn to pharmaceuticals because of the conditions that they are experiencing. And then they end up, you know, a lot of them end up being, you know, long-term customers of, of big pharma. Mm -hmm. And that's a different conversation. And, and let's talk about that just a little okay. bit, because these are, this is a time in their life from, from a psychology standpoint, this is a time in the life where they are developing their sense of self and their identity of who they are. Yeah. And we are giving them labels and saying, you have this chronic mental illness, you have depression. Well, that's a lifelong disorder. And we are, and, and but we're not addressing the nutrition part that if we just gave their brain what they needed, they wouldn't have that. 
their resiliency would be higher. They would be less likely to be having, having those thoughts, those negative thoughts. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a problem. And then they come out of college saying, yeah, I can do this or I can do that. But they have ideas about being broken or they have ideas mm -hmm. about their limitations that are just not accurate. And if we give their brain what those brains need in order to function, whatever that is, and that might be more individual, but they may not have that. And so I, I have a problem with people taking on those limitations about themselves when we're just not even giving their brain the basic things that it needs to function. Yeah, especially in that sensitive time when you're creating core beliefs about so many different things around you, not just mm -hmm. self, but um, yeah, culturally, politically, you know, all these different types of things. And yeah, we, we significantly limit ourselves when we get labeled a depressed person. And, you know, that ends up becoming a big part of our personality. And, you know, who are we if we don't have things like that? Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah, super powerful, super um, unfortunate. And I don't know whether it's a, you know, a, a deliberate um, play in this kind of like within those malevolent systems to be able to, you know, miseducate and uneducate those individuals and yeah, keep them as, you know, pharmaceutical customers. I'm not sure it's, 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 it's been going on for such a long time and the evidence is super clear and there's so many different people out there pushing really, really good information. Unfortunately, none of those people seem to work in um, government. <laughs> so They wouldn't keep us. They wouldn't, keep <laughs> they wouldn't us, like yeah. us. Yeah, they wouldn't like us. But I want whoever's listening to this and, and watching this, I want you to understand that if you feel like you've been kind of doing everything right and, and you still you're having mood disorder, disorder, you're having neurological issues, you're having untreated brain fog. There's a lot of really powerful nutritional interventions that work very, very well on a systemic level that if you have not tried them yet, quite frankly, you do not know what you are capable of. You do not know how amazing you, you can be, how resilient you are. You don't know how smart you are, quite frankly, because maybe you just haven't been giving your, your brain what it needs to function. And so please do not limit yourself with those beliefs and please keep trying to find a way to feel better. Well said. Um, tell me about seed oils a bit more. I mean, I, I'm, aware of the very damaging factors and the fact that they're everywhere but you know for a lot of people when they just hit when they just hear seed oils they might not know much beyond that so can you give us some examples because you know they're in everything so surely they're okay yeah no well they are made by really kind of gross industrialized processes um and they create unstable oils and these unstable oils are fats, and these fats are used in our body to make really important things like mitochondrial membranes and cell membranes. And, um, you know, your brain is made of fat. And so all of these things. And so it makes un them unstable. And my clients always ask me, well, what do you mean it makes them unstable? What does that mean? It means those cells break faster. And if there's a lot of inflammation, those cells don't die properly. Those cells kind of hang out in this zombie state, exuding all of these nasty chemicals that cause more inflammation. They don't even die right, right? And so, so that they can be cleaned up and, and, and fixed. I mean, that's another, for, that's another place of oxidative stress, right? These little macrophages trying to run around, uh, eating up and gobbling up uh, cells that are not healthy, you know, and deciding whether they need to die or not. 
And when, you know, when those chemicals happen, the cleanup doesn't happen. And that causes a lot of reactive oxygen species and, and problems. But sorry, I digress. So they just make your cell parts less functioning and they're more likely to die and you're less resilient and you can't make energy as well. I mean, it's just like, why would you make a house with unstable bricks or unstable wood? That's what you do when you eat a lot of seed oils and you eat a lot of industrialized oils. Those are for profit. Those are for companies to be able to make money to sell you things uh, and keep it stable on the shelf so that they don't have to worry about it spoiling. That is the only purpose of those oils. Those oils have nothing to do with your health and they are not made by people that care about your functioning or your brain. And my understanding, they're very cheap to make as you know, with the profit. Yeah. With the um, development in, you know, switch and you know, being able to actually take those, take that plant, take that seed and, and create that into an oil on a mass agricultural industrial stage. Yeah. It just makes the whole process a lot cheaper. And you can just see that when you just look at labels and you can just see that it's in literally everything. And, you know, on the, on the inside of the um, supermarket there. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to recover from mental illness and neurological disorders, you have to get to the place where you stop allowing industry to tell you what to eat. How do you start doing that? You, you know, you, you, you start probably following people who care about your brain and who uh, don't have any industry connections whatsoever and are smart and understand nutritional biochemistry. Um, there's so many great resources out there. If you YouTube Chris Palmer, MD, if you YouTube Georgia Ede, EDE, she's a nutritional psychiatrist. Um, there's all kinds of great places to get accurate information about nutrition. Um, I have a blog, mentalhealthketo.com, that is very specific about ketogenic diets for mental illness and, and neurological issues. But there's all kinds of really uh, great people out there who are trying to get this word out so that you can feel better. Beautiful. Have you got any podcasts out there that you recommend people check out? Oh my gosh. I listen to all kinds of podcasts. Um, I always love, well, no, not pot. Oh my gosh. All the podcasts I've been on, they're going to be like, Nicole, why didn't you say my podcast? How about <laughs> no. for specifically um, like nutrition and brain health? Yeah. Well, I know Boundless Body Radio with Casey Ruff. He has a lot of really good um, really great, uh, guests that are fantastic. Cool. So I would check out his, he has oodles of them. I really like him. Um, that would be the first one that kind of pops, pops in my head, but there's a lot of great ones out there. Beautiful. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you talked briefly about, um, working with individuals who, you know, have brain inflammation, they have disorders going on. And if they were to continue, then, you know, we're looking at, we're looking at dementia, we're looking at Alzheimer's, we're looking at serious conditions. Can you tell us a little bit about the like the sugar link within that the the kind of type three diabetes that's been that's been discussed with, with its link to Alzheimer's? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Alzheimer's is, is, is called type three diabetes in the scientific literature. Um, and that is because there are parts of the brain that begin to not use glucose as fuel very well. Um, and that is why ketogenic diets are so helpful for them because it's just, just immediate fuel source. 
that they can use. And then there's things that we can do to enhance ketone production that help fuel the brain. But when you have a brain that cannot use energy, it's basically starving because you can take all the vitamins in the world and all the supplements in the world. And if your brain doesn't have the energy to process them, they're not going to do you any good. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand. Um, that that change in brain fuel is really, really important when you have brain fog, recurrent or chronic, or you have that early MCI or even stage one, stage two Alzheimer's can really, really improve with a, with a change in that brain fuel. But the sugar piece, um, we think that an, a form of insulin resistance happens in the brain where the brain is unable to utilize glucose for fuel to, to be able to get the, get that in the brain cells for fuel because of broken machinery, which, you know, insulin, you know, can definitely contribute to. So that's what that's about. Also immune function, sugar, a high blood sugar really impairs immune function your immune system is impaired a good two hours after a high carbohydrate meal. If your body is not insulin sensitive or, and you can't push that fuel into cells and utilize it right away and it's just hanging out there, it impairs your immune system. And that is something that people, a lot of people don't understand. And if your immune system is not functioning well, that is going to cause dysfunctional responses in your immune system that affect cytokines in your brain and increases neuroinflammation. It's all connected. Yeah. Thank you. That was, that was perfect. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It just made me think it's such an interesting topic. And whenever I, I, I probably said once a week, I probably tell somebody that Alzheimer's is known as type three diabetes and people have no idea. And people are kind of mm -hmm. blown away with that fact. Because I think so many diseases that we have within diseases that we have within our culture, so many pathologies, people just put down to standard aging or just, you know, just standard parts of being 60 or being a, and being a woman yeah. or being a man or something, you know, like it's yeah. just, oh, it's just the, oh, it's just the luck of the draw. That's my dad. That had is not normal no. brain aging. No. You, you can have a better brain at 60 than you did at 18. Agreed. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How can people get hold of you, Nicole? Uh, the easiest way is to go to mentalhealthketo.com and there's a contact me form and you can just email me. You can find me on, I don't know all my handles, but you can find me on uh, Twitter. I'm all over the place. I'm trying to tell people about this. So good Lord. I'm on Reddit. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook. So surely awesome. you can find me somewhere. You're yeah. around. That's cool. I'll make sure that people can find your website. And I'm sure all those particular places where people like to hang out will be connected in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Perfect. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on and discussing many different topics, but very important that people recognize what a ket ketogenic diet is, what it can do, and how there are so many incredible people like yourself out there who will help facilitate that transformation and how, you know, having chronic migraines having chronic pain having chronic brain inflammation not normal it's not your destiny you don't have to live with it forever there are people out there there are things you can do to reverse it and as you said you can have a better brain and a better body at 50 than you did at 15. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and enlightening all of us yeah it's been my pleasure thank you for having me
course. Well, that is it for this episode. Um, I will put some information in the show notes so you can connect with Nicole. Don't forget to subscribe if you're on iTunes, leave a review, Spotify, hit the five star or four star, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. Um, but thank you so much for listening. This is True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. We will see you next week.